0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast. This is John Duncan, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Darian Smith. And, guys, it feels like forever, but it is finally game week as our UAB Blazers take on the Alabama A&M Bulldogs Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central Time at Protective Stadium. Darian, are you ready, man? Because it,
1: it, I'm ready to kick it off now. I wish the game was tonight. I've been bragging about this team. You've been bragging about this team. So I'm just excited for the guys to really go out there and show what they how much they've been working because we both been seeing it. And mm-hmm. and I and I'm like really, really, really happy for Brian Vincent, man. I know um he's had a a very successful um career here at UAB, but I know he has come under question sometimes for well, you know certain play calls or whatever, but now he gets to run the show. How he like how he wants to run it. So now we get to truly see what he's about, and just seeing him as a man and as a person, just in person, you know, just watching him work with the kids, it's been impressive. So you can't help but root for him. Yeah. So I'm ex- I'm excited for him just as much as I'm excited for the guys. I completely agree, Darren. I think that he's
0: ready to prove that, and he's you know he's proven to us, but you know get to prove to the whole world that hey. Let's take that interim label off and just make him the permanent coach. Because I'm telling you, he he's got the guys dialed in. We've talked about it in length on prior episodes. Like I'm just so ready for everybody to see this football team um, under Bryant Vincent. But let's go ahead and just get into some um, business before we start our preview, guys. Number one, if you want to support the show, definitely go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button, um, our follow button on Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Definitely on that platform hit the follow or subscribe button to make sure you do not miss any future blazer victory podcast episodes and also you can also support the show by buying a t-shirt or a hoodie and you can do that by going to storefrontier.com slash blazer pod again that's storefrontier.com slash blazer pod and help support us and also if you haven't, if you've missed prior episodes, go back. You know, uh, we just dropped a, a great interview that I had with uh, Head Coach Brian Vincent on Friday morning. And also, we've done offense, defense, and special teams preview hey, shows. Sp- uh, special team, guys, we got you. We, 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 <laughs> did, we did the episode. You are special to us, too. So. <laughs> yes, we got all you. You know, we got everybody covered. But definitely, if you missed those Go ahead and give those a listen before Thursday night, Um, of course, after you give this a listen. And after Darian and I give you just a couple minutes talking about Alabama A&M, we are going to roll our interview that we had with B.J. Jones. Again, B.J., thank you so much for just coming on the show. This guy, I mean, he is – my go-to guy for anything HBCU. I mean, he covers not just Alabama A&M. You know, we're talking SWAC, MEAC, all, all HBCU, and not even just HBCU. He has such a great football knowledge, and he tells us in the interview. You know, he's been involved with football since I think what did he said was five years old. Since yeah. he was
1: five, as a cultural player. Man, so
0: that knowledge that he has, I uh, definitely I uh, can't wait to roll that interview that we had with him. But again, you can follow him on Twitter at Inside
1: HBCU Football. So give him a follow. Um, and, I, and, did, and 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 I also just wanted to say just I think what DJ is doing is important because is. of um it is needed parity that we uh, mm-hmm. that we need in in college we they try to market everything to send up to these power 5 schools and it's like even certain power 5 schools we all know who they are
0: mm-hmm. they try to get
1: all the biggest players it's it's a money it's a money machine you see how much they spend on these uh, facilities and everything and before I go on a rant like that I just want to say Thank you to BJ for doing what he does because, and I, I see the uh, I see his efforts paying off, and I see more parity and guys going to places that they should just want to go to, you know, HBCU, Group of Five, in NAIA, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're a good player, you can shine at any school. So thank you for uh, thank you BJ for uh, just it's an important need that you're feeling. And you putting help put a light on um, Alabama A&M and all HBCU schools. So thank you. We appreciate that.
0: Definitely agree. Well, Darian, let's just kind of talk about Alabama A&M in general. Um, so, I mean, this is uh, head coach Connell uh, He's He's been 11 years as a coach, but he's been at Alabama A&M since the 2018 season. Now, uh, UAB folks, you know, we played Alabama A&M in the return game to kick off the 2017 season. That was not Coach Maynard. Uh, Maynard came the year after that. But he's been mm. successful everywhere he's been. You know, he's eighty-three and forty-one overall. I mean, he, you know, he he's eighteen and ten has an eighteen and ten overall record at A and M, and he's been twelve and five in the SWAC. Uh, they won the spring twenty twenty-one season for the they, they won the SWAC championship. Um, I mean, when you look at that though, it seems a lot of that was because of kill Glass, and mm. you know that's kind of kind of what. BJ talks with us about in the interview, like I didn't even realize that a glass has been there since Maynard's been there. Like, so this yeah, is, first. <laughs> you know, this is Maynard's first time at Alabama a having a quarterback, not named a glass. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a couple other playmakers on this team, but I just, I don't know what to expect of this album. And I kind of see, you know, last year they, you know, they had a decent year. They didn't win the swag again, like they did in the spring, but I mean, I just don't know what to expect of this AM team. I, I think they'll be middle of the pack, maybe towards the top of the swag, but I don't know, Darren. Do you have any just general thoughts on this
1: Alabama A&M team? Or is it kind of just what I stated? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a lot of what you stated because if you it's hard losing that commander. And this this is not this is like a five-star rank commander for AM because he's been there so long he's he been is. the guy that's been he's been the guy that's been attached to coach Maynard's hip this whole time so yes it's it's good to return offensive linemen and weapons on the outside but all of that stuff can break down mm-hmm. if if you don't have that guy so he was such a uh it's like having a shot blocker in, in basketball you know if you you have some wing defenders on the on the on the perimeter, they can get blown past. You can have a shot blocker to cover up for all your mistakes. That's that's a, a quarterback, a great quarterback. Um, i Malik Willis when what he did to us, as I flash back to that Man. last year, they they cover up so much, like they cover up so many weaknesses uh, because of the command on the offense and then just the special throws and the audibles and everything. Now you replace it with a guy that has to learn. So all of a sudden you take your biggest strength, and that could become it could go from positive to negative. I'm not saying whoever they put there is going to be a negative, but I know they won't be him. No, yeah, you it's- know <laughs> they they won't be him. So and then you take that and you put them against a we've talked about this UAB defense. Um, so it's going to be mm, it can be <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I'm not saying what's going to happen, but I. If I was a betting man, I would say that that's going to be a lot for whoever the quarterback is to overcome.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I
1: mean, if, if folks that don't know about Akil Glass, I mean, this
0: is a guy that threw for over 3,500 yards and 36 touchdowns. I mean, this is a playmaker that they lose. And uh, everything coming out of camp, out of the Alabama and m camp, and BJ talks about it too in our interview, it, it's going to be between two guys. It's going to be between uh, retro freshman Quincy Casey uh, a quarterback, the transfer coming over from Jackson State, or it'll be junior Xavier Lankford, who just threw the ball seven times last year. I mean, so it's total <laughs> inexperience. Like, I, and, and then <laughs> you're coming into Protective Stadium and FBS, you know, an FBS environment. Like, I, I mean, I, I know Alabama a and plays in some big games, you know, Magic City Classic, of course. But when you're going up against that uh, UAB defense, I mean, I – I agree with you, Darren. And, you know, we'll get into our official prediction in a couple minutes. But, yeah, I just don't see
1: it uh, turning out well yeah. for the Bulldogs. And, uh, and just watching and, and doing some research, I saw um, where he went over their first scrimmage. So I was able to see UAB's first scrimmage. And then hearing mm-hmm. Coach Maynard talk about AM's 1st scrimmage this year. And he, he he talked about how the quarterback made some boneheaded plays. It was a lot of mistakes. It was a lot of flags. They need he need he looking for consistency. He was kind of disappointed in saying they were gonna clean it up. Versus you, when I looked at our team, I, I bragged about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the first scrimmage there was hardly any penalties. Everybody was lined up in the right spots. And it was hardly any mistakes. A veteran led team, um, sound, disciplined. That's what I saw. So. In right. totality, when I compare the two, I'm like, Ugh, this could <laughs> this could be ugly because as as that, that as as the Bulldogs, you need to do whatever you can to minimize those mistakes because you're gonna have to capitalize wherever you can, right? Um, right. If you make if you get into a second and five and you get a holding call offsides against this defense, this fast secondary, you get sick now. Now you put yourself behind the chains. Mm-hmm. I, with the inexperienced quarterback, I I just don't see it happening there. So, that, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 gonna be looking out for that. Definitely. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, there are two
0: guys that I did want to spotlight for the Alabama A&M offense, and one of those is a very talented wide receiver, Abdul Ibrahim. Uh, I mean, this is a guy, he had 67 catches last year for over 1,000 yards. I mean, in one game against Texas Southern, he had eight eight receptions for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Mm. So, very, very talented uh, receiver Ibrahim is. But, hey, you don't have a kill class throwing you the ball anymore. So, I don't know uh, if he'll get uh, that many. uh, I mean, he'll probably get a couple. But, I mean, I, I expect our defense just to lock him down. I mean, really, him. And then their running back, Gary Quarles, um, he had almost 900 yards rushing last year and 10 touchdowns. Really, those two guys are the two to watch for and whoever they decide to put in their quarterback. And and honestly, we'll probably see both of them. Um, We'll probably see Casey and Lankford. But I definitely just wanted to spotlight Ibrahim and uh, Gary Quarles uh, for the offensive side of the ball for Alabama A&M. Now, Darren, on the defensive side of the ball for LFMA and M. Oh, Lord, have mercy. This – you guys want to talk about a train wreck? I mean, this defense was – I mean, there was probably some JUCO defenses that were a lot better than this defense. Like, this this defense was so bad last year. Like, they gave up over 35 points per game, over 400 yards. I mean, this team – this defense was just that bad last year. And it shows. I mean, hey – Maynard went in and kind of cleaned house, you know, got rid of the defense coordinator, brought a new guy in, brought a bunch of transfers. I think that he was quoted at SWAC Media Days saying that he was going to have 10 or 11 new starters on defense from the wow. transfer portal. So, I mean, it's just – I mean, it can't get any worse. But, honestly, when you bring in that many new guys – That's it's tough. Your, and, and your first game is at UAB – a powerhouse, like I. I good luck, man. I, I, you
1: know, Debo's back there licking his chops. <laughs> man, listen. Um, and as as far as like Ibra, Ibrahim, the receiver. I mean, I take my chances with Mac, with Mac McWilliams and starting Thomas and all those guys, Grayson Cash. And, all day. So yeah, I'm taking my chances. But as far as, as far as their defense, man. uh <clears throat> So I think in totality, they brought. They signed probably thirty-eight guys and like had twenty-six or twenty-eight transfers. Oh, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of <laughs> turnover. And that uh, um, they have a new defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken.
0: They do, yeah. The old guy or the old defensive coordinator is actually a defensive coordinator at Hoover High School now. So yeah, oh, they do. They okay. do bring a new
1: guy in. Yeah. So like you're literally <laughs> replacing everything. Have you ever been at a job and somebody said, "Hey," All of y'all in this unit, whatever you're working at, all of y'all fire. Like, they just fire all the porklift <laughs> drivers or something. It's, Clean no, yeah. it out, But nobody actually does that in real life because right. it's so hard. You need at least some kind of holdovers. I'm pretty sure they have one or two holdovers. But, I mean, you, you – I don't know, man. You're facing an uh, extremely talented offensive line. You're mm-hmm. you're facing a guy that can be a potentially first round running back with like four other running backs behind him.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you're facing one of the um, elite CUSA receivers in Trey Shopshire with a lot of talent at receiver that we know to be uh, that that's ready to to step up. And right. you have two good quarterbacks and experienced quarterbacks, and then Dylan Hopkins coming back ready to sling it. Um, with his hundred percent healthy, finally, I just I don't if I don't know, man. If these guys get into, a, if these guys can't stop us from scoring, and they have to air it out with an inexperienced quarterback against our secondary and let our let our D line tee off.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and get in those predictions before we roll the interview with BJ. Um, Darian, I've, I've got it 45 to seven. I mean, I, I just, I don't see where we, where UAB doesn't blow this team out. Like this is, and this is no disrespect to Alabama A&M, but when you got to replace, when you have to replace your best quarterback, like, you know, he's not back and then you replace everybody on your defense. Like, it's just, I, I don't see how this doesn't get ugly. Like, if it doesn't, if this game is close at all, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be a little disappointed. Of course, you know I would. You know, anytime you get a W and you know win by as long as you win by one point, whatever, you still get a W. But I, I, I will be disappointed if this isn't a blowout. Like I, I just don't see how A and M keeps it perspective. What, what's your, what's oh, your thoughts?
1: Okay, I give two scenarios. I say probably the worst scenario is um their offense is still prolific since they got some guys coming in and and we don't know how the quarterback is but he's like the second coming of a kill glass and we get into some form of a shootout i don't see how that happens that's that's if they get their running game going mm-hmm. um and our d line isn't we, we lost too much or something so in that scenario i see it being 48 31 blazers like that is highly unlikely. The scenario I really see is probably more around 52-14. Yeah. Um, because I say that, because like I said, I think we should be able to score on these guys. And um, and if we score on them and they, they have to try to play catch-up, if we get up 21-0 in the first quarter mm-hmm. and, they, and they try to air it out, I think they have to keep the run game. They have to keep us honest. Because if they don't, I think they play into our strengths, and I, I think our secondary and our speed is our strength. So now you get pick sixes and turnovers and fumbles and negative plays and block punts, Grayson Cash doing Grayson Cash things, you know. Right. Um So I I I kind of see that, and this, like I said, that's no disrespect, but I can just see it getting ugly like that. But now, if if they can get their running game going against our D line, and if they can, if Casey Glass, is it, hold on, yeah. If he doesn't make any mistakes and they keep it simplified for him, I see a way that they can kind of stay in it until the fourth quarter.
0: Got you. Well, all right, guys. Well, without further ado, I will go ahead and roll our interview that we had with BJ. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by B.J. Jones, who is the writer and contributor for HBCU Game Day and also hosts a um, show every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time uh, called Inside HBCU Football. And again, that's on Sunday nights. And you can watch that um, via the Black College Sports Network on Facebook and on YouTube. And also, give our man BJ a follow on Twitter at Inside ball. And BJ, how are you doing this evening?
2: I, I am doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good.
0: Good, man. Well, it's, it's great to have you on. You know, you, you know me and you have been friends for a long time now. Um, great to finally have you on the show. And it's great to be talking college football, man, you know. We had week zero. We had a couple HBCU games to watch, um, got to see Alabama State beat Howard. Um, but you got to get us kind of caught up on this Alabama A&M uh, squad because, you know, being honest, like Dari and I, you know, we've done some research on the team, but there's just not a lot of information out there. So I, I guess the first question that I want to ask you, BJ, is just what should we expect out of this Alabama A&M uh, 2022 squad?
2: Um, I'm going to be honest with you. No one knows. <laughs> no one, this, is why, this, this is why I say that. Alabama a and um, went out and signed 26 transfers, mm-hmm. most of them on the defensive side of the football. Uh, and that's because Alabama a and has, has had one of the most prolific offenses not, not only in the SWAC, but in FCS football, period, with a quill glass uh, and, and those weapons that he's had uh, for Ty Ibrahim, uh, Brian Jenkins Jr., and, and the likes. The problem with Alabama A&M is defensively, they were one of the worst teams in the country and have been, um, you know, for a few years. Uh, so what Coach Cornell Mann or his staff, what they went out and did is he said, we went out and we we scratched where itched. Most of the guys they brought in on the defensive side of the football, uh, they went really uh, heavy uh, in the secondary and on the defensive line. And so we don't know what to make of them. Quill Glass is gone. Um, he was a there. And since Cornell Maynard, and uh, he coached at Alabama A&M, uh, his quarterback has been Quill Glass. They, they have been joined at the hip. So this is the first time uh, since he's been – uh, the head man there that he's breaking in a new quarterback okay. well, transfer from Jackson state.
0: I, and I was just about to ask you, so what, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think it's going to be Quincy Casey from Jackson state? Or do you think it's going to be the junior Xavier Langford? Like, I mean, you know, he barely, what well, he threw it seven times last year. So I, is it just going to be kind of,
2: yeah, I think it's going to be Quincy Casey. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. it's going to be Quincy Casey. Um uh, he has command of that that playbook. Um, the boss from campus is, you know, he's, he, you know, he's been kind of leading the pack, uh, per se, and uh, so it looks like it's going to be Quincy Case. It wouldn't be shocked uh, to see the, the junior quarterback as well.
1: Hey, uh, BJ. So first of all, I want to say I appreciate you for everything uh, for covering um, HBCU sports. It's um, uh, it's it's big for the culture, you know. So. Big shout-out to you for that, first of all. it's important. But Quincy Casey, what type of quarterback is he? Is he a dual threat? Do you know?
2: Well, uh, Quincy Casey is a guy. He can move around a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily call him dual threat, uh, but he has some escapability. He can do some things with his feet. Uh, he, he can air it out now. Quincy mm-hmm. Casey has an arm. You know, he's a three-star quarterback uh, coming out of Memphis. Uh, he was recruited by a bunch of larger schools. Uh, he was recruited by, you know, some Conference USA and some some, some Sun Belt schools. So he's a guy that was highly regarded uh, coming out of Memphis uh, a few years ago. Uh, and he was a guy that put up some numbers against this Alabama A&M football team. Well, not this football team, uh, but against Alabama a and in the spring of 2020 when they played. He threw for uh, almost 400 yards against Alabama a and So he's a guy with a lot of talent, a lot of talent. Yeah and um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how he looks now that he's getting a shot to be a starter.
1: Okay. And one more question for that offense. Um, we all know about Aquil a Glass and all the video game numbers he put up. What about that offensive line? Do they return a lot of the same guys that helped their prolific offense be so impactful last year?
2: Yes, a lot of those guys up front are returning. Um they're returning most of their pieces. Uh the offensive line, uh, those receivers um are, are returning. They're, they're going to be missing Zay Moore, uh, was a big time receiver, a thousand-yard guy. Uh Fatah Ibrahim is back, two-time All-American, he's back. Um, you got Brian Jenkins, um, who will also uh be back. Um Gary Qualls, running back, you know, he he's back. So a lot of pieces from that offense uh, will, will be back this year. Mm. Okay.
0: okay. Well, you know, BJ, you mentioned the the transfers, and I mean, it really does seem, you know, on the defensive side, but it really does seem that uh, Coach Maynard kind of has gone almost all in on the transfer portal. Is it like, did he come in the last couple years and just say, hey, we need to go all in on the portal? Was that just a lack of talent? Or was just the defense so bad just altogether? He really had no choice. He just had to go, you know, all in and get, bring some guys in.
2: Yeah, he had to go all-in. Um, Alabama a and um since um, Connell Maynard has, has been there, has lacked the defensively. Um, like, like I said, the, the problem with Alabama A&M is they can score on anybody. Right. The problem is anybody can score on them. And when I say anybody can score on them, <laughs> you had teams in the conference well, with offenses that were bad that were in shootouts with Alabama a and um, wow. So he had to... Uh, go and address those needs. And one of the things that he talked about at like Media Day, Media Days, this is this hasn't been a tough football team. Mm. Not on the, not on a defensive standpoint. Not from a defensive standpoint, they haven't been tough. So he had to go and get some guys with that mentality. And when you see the way that everyone else is recruiting across the conference, you know, people are always going to talk about Jackson State, but everyone else has stepped up their recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you couldn't more of the same because you'll get left behind.
0: Gotcha. And, I mean, kind of my next question, though, was <laughs> with all these transfers, I mean, the defense has to be better, right? I mean, could it get any worse, to be honest? Like, could it get any worse than it was last year?
2: No, nah, no. Nah, couldn't get any worse. And, they, also <laughs> made, and, and, and they, they made a key change. Uh, Kenneth Bolware is now the defensive coordinator, who was Cornell now Maina's defensive coordinator when he was at Winston-Salem State. When he was at Winston-Salem State, they won 14 games. Went to the Division Two national championship game. Finished a few years ranked in the top three um, in Division Two. Um, so it, it, it's it's he's going back to what he's familiar with. Um, you might not see him air it out as much um, as, as they did with quill Glass. You'll probably see uh, more of what his offenses look like at Winston Salem State. Whatever, going to play defense. Going to throw the ball a little bit. Um, to keep you honest, but they're going to run it as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and kind of, too, until you get those quarterback, you know, whoever's replacing Glass, until you get him comfortable, you really can't sit there and, you know, air it all out like they have been these last few years. You know, as you mentioned earlier, since Maynard's been there at A&M since 2018. Um, so I guess another thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain on, BJ, is that so Alabama A&M is a team that hasn't faced – an FBS team since 2018, since his first year at Alabama A&M when they lost at uh-huh. Cincinnati was, was there like a, a scheduling philosophy where they didn't want to schedule an FBS team um, for a couple of years? Cause now you look and this year they begin the year with two FBS teams. You know, you got to go to you U- are UAB then the very next week you got to go to Troy. Like, do you know anything behind that scheduling philosophy that, Hey, we're not going to play one for a couple of years um, and now, all of a sudden, we're going to schedule two in a year. And I, I get the whole COVID, you know, what happened in 2020. I mean, they had to scrap that. But you, do you have any inside info on maybe why the scheduling philosophy is the way it is for a I, I
2: think Alabama a is in a, uh, a good position. Um, Alabama A&M is in the same position as Jackson State, Southern, um, where Alabama a plays in the Magic City Classic, makes a lot of money from from, from that. There's a few teams in the conference, and particularly in the SWAC, where they make enough money off their ticket sales, where they don't have to go out and, and get revenue. Uh, the program that I played at, Southern is one of them. We almost average 20,000 people per home game. So we don't mm-hmm. have to go out and play an FBS. Um, and then the Bayou Classic, you're going to get 65,000 plus, and that's almost a million-dollar payout. So we don't have to go out annually and, and play those F, uh, FBS games uh, like so many others in the FCS have to do.
1: That's 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 a, that's a good point. I I was wondering, like you know, with Dion and with everything that was going on at Jackson State, that has taken center stage um, nationally. I was wondering, do you see this kind of being a uh, not a trickle down effect, but just kind of going around to every every um, HBCU school? Do you see the level of play stepping up? I know you kind of alluded to it earlier. Do you see that happening all around? And what does it? What will it take for? HBCU schools
2: to take that next step? I, mean, I think we're in the midst of it right now. I think Deion Sanders came at a, at a, it's almost a perfect storm. Um, you had the the summer of unrest, uh, everything that happened with George Floyd, which that has increased enrollment in pretty much every HBCU um, since then. Um, just that civil unrest, uh, we're dealing with record uh, attendance numbers uh, from a student standpoint. Um, I know that I, at, at Southern our student population uh, is up significantly. We just welcome the, the largest freshman class in school history, and, and that's across mm-hmm. the board at HBCUs. And I think you know with that happening, then with Dion, and then with uh, now you're starting to see celebrities kind of come in and almost adopting an HBCU. Whether it's LeBron and FAMU, uh, you know Luke and FAMU, uh, uh, you know just, just you know just so much going on. I think HBCUs are hot right now, and that's trickling in, into um, the football field as well, When now you're seeing those three-stars and four-stars, you know, five-stars, you're seeing those guys take a look at HBCUs right off the rip. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that we that I know that we always say, if we can get you to homecoming on a recruiting trip or, uh, you know, at that we can get you to one of the big games, it's right. a wrap. <laughs> it's right. It's <laughs> a wrap. You're God, not saying seriously. no. And, and <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so I think right now you, you're really seeing the renaissance, and you, you're, you're starting to see their kids now that are in that ESPN 300 that are taking legitimate shots, that, that, that take legitimate looks. Uh, and then their parents are calling around to people like me and people that have been around, kicking the tires on HBCUs. And that's something that didn't happen four or five years ago. That's beautiful, beautiful.
0: And that's great. And I'm glad you brought that up, BJ, too. like from the out, you know, from if you're looking at college football as a whole, like the attention that Deion Sanders has brought not only to Jackson State, but just to HBCUs, you know, as a whole. But like you just mentioned, it's not just Deion, you know, you've got, you know, Florida A&M competing with North Carolina. Just we saw this, you know, yesterday on Saturday and you've got all these highly talented um, you know, prospects that they are taking visits to these HBCU campuses and they're falling in love and, you know, they're committing, it, it committing to these schools. And it's, you know, with the whole NIL transfer portal, you know, of course, um, but I mean, it's really great to see, you know, these HBCUs almost, you know, coming together and like, they're all on fire right now, which is great to see, you know, for college football as a whole, because we all know at the top, you know, how it seems to be, trending towards just being two really big conferences and then really almost everybody else but it, it's great to see you know the HBCUs kind of coming together right now and and, I, and and as I say that I was going to ask you how does the rest of just the SWAC feel about Deion Sanders like how do you think coach Maynard feels about Sanders do, do they hate do they hate his guts like can they not stand him or do you really think that maybe they get along behind the scenes or I'm, I'm just curious
2: Okay, so that last year, um, there was some significant trash talk between Deion Sanders and Connell Maynard. During the spring, Connell Maynard said, um, you know, uh, they, they've had some back and forth. So, uh, one of the interviewers asked him what was his tips that he would give Dion?" He said, I'm not him, giving them any the tips. He's the enemy. And, and after he beat him, he said, after Connell Maynard beat him in the in the spring, he said, tell him to go get more four and uh, five stars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he made that comment. <laughs> yeah, made his comment back. And then, you know, Connell Maynard told him, you know, hey, if you think that I'm going to roll out here with the same team I have this spring and the fall, I'm going to go get more guys too. And, you know, Connell Maynard made the, you know, the comment, everyone likes their team at the beginning of the year, which led Jackson State to play in Alabama. Uh, out, Jackson State actually went to Alabama AM last year on Alabama A&M's homecoming, sellout crowd, and beat them 65-14. to 14. Ooh, uh, which is ooh, one ooh. One. And then um, Connell Maynard, as we know, Deion Sanders had surgery last year. He had a serious situation. He was on a scooter. And uh, Connell Maynard asked him um, about Aflac sending him a, a scooter. So Dion actually brought a pink scooter and sent out A&M's field and signed it after the game. So these used have been going back and forth. It, it, it reminds you of Thie Furrier uh, yeah. and Phil Fulmer uh, back in the day. Um, it, it's one of those things where these two, they, they go back and forth. And um, amongst the conference, a lot of uh, – I like what he's done. But Deion Sanders has become a team for HCU. No, there's been great coaches in this league. There's been great coaches here. It doesn't start with me. So he's done a good job of deflecting it. But trust me, everybody wants to beat them. Like, they have a huge, huge target on their back.
1: But I, I, that, that's so beautiful to hear. Um, I'm from Mississippi. My Both of my parents graduated from Jackson State. I know all about the HBCU culture. And it's, and it's beautiful to hear that Spotlight is being shined and recruits are taking it serious. National media are taking HBCU serious because – as a as a black man, I understand how important it is, you know. So props to you guys, and props to you BJ for continuing sh- help shining this light on HBC- HBCU schools.
2: Oh, man, man, no problem, man. Like I said, man, it's it's my passion, man. I'm a am a swag uh, lifer. Like I said my my dad played in the in the conference. I played at Alabama State. My mom is from Alabama A and M. Uh, and you know I have, have a aunt that marched in the band at Alabama State. You know, my family's. Split down the middle, album man, I'm in Alabama State. I made the decision to go to Southern. So I've seen this thing from a kid to a player, now a graduate, now, you know, covering it. I'm an HBCU lifer. So, man, to see everything, uh, you know, this uptick and all this positiveness around HBCUs, man, it's 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 a beautiful thing to me. Because I got to tell people, man, I got sweat equity in the business. I got blood and sweat equity in the business.
1: Right, right. I love it. I
0: love it. Now, hey, before we before we let you go, BJ. For those that mm-hmm. don't know, before you before you went to Southern, now you played a mm-hmm. year at, at UAB under Watson Brown. Is, is that not
2: <laughs> true? <laughs> Correct.
0: All right, man. Well, we got to yes. talk. We got to talk just a few minutes about this. Now, I, are you, are you a little jealous to see all these facilities that they have now over there at, at mm-hmm. UAB compared uh, to what you had?
1: He <laughs> he he loved poking okay. his sore spot. Like he loved <laughs> poking his spot here, man. Okay.
2: <laughs> Like UAB is night and day. I mean, the HUC is not there anymore. They don't even have a classroom building anymore. Kids have no idea what the classroom building is. Um, but I remember those small football offices that we had, man. Uh, man, the days of Watson Brown and, uh, you know, Tuffy Crow and, man, a mm-hmm. uh, guy Riff, man, with uh, um, uh, Coach Sullivan, man. And, uh, yes. I mean, I, I just remember, man, that, man, we were all that we had. And, you know the the most beautiful thing about UAB, I uh, spent a the year there, man, which was a red shirt, uh, red shirt year for me, so I didn't actually get any you know field time. Uh, but the, you know the most beautiful thing about it is, I mean, even though I only spent a the year there, um, the guys, man, football, you man, they reach out. I've I've played in the alumni flag football game. Uh, you know I, I always come out uh, to support the Blazers. Uh, my dad is still a basketball uh season ticket holder. I love going to the games, man. It's just I love UAB and, and what it does for the city and what they do for the city of Birmingham. And, and and UAB is a special place, man. But it is amazing uh to see, you know, the facilities that they have now. Uh, they're not going to Bell Gym and lift anymore. <laughs> they're, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're not they're not having to get dressed at at bar to locker rooms down there and they'll walk across the practice. Uh, yeah. Like we used to back in the day, man. It, and, man, it, it just, man, it's amazing to see where the program has come from. And I know what the program was up against because there were serious talks um, when I was there about, the, you know, the board of trustees really trying to get rid of the program. And to see where the program has come from and Coach Clark, man, I, I, th- I think the world of him, uh, amazing guy and what he's been able to do for the program, man, it's amazing, man. It, 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 I mean, I'm talking about it is, it is amazing.
1: I'm glad that you still bleed that green and gold at the same time. And my wife, she uh we we both went to of course I went to UAB, but uh, my wife was a mascot here and she she um got a master's at AM. So we got some um we got we got some sweat equity in with AM too. And um man, it's, it's beautiful to see that I love I try to stress the people all the time is the the, the continued brotherhood after football. Mm-hmm. That is the the most important part. there's so many guys. That I didn't play with, that I can call upon for help, all because we created this football family atmosphere, right? So it's I, I'm I'm so happy. I hope hopefully we can get you on some another time, uh, sometime this season, man. I, I enjoy talking to you and just getting this insight. You got a, a lot of knowledge on the game,
2: man. Man, look, I've been doing this for a long time, man. I, man, I've been I either as a player or coach. I've been in football every year of my life since I was five years old. Um, and one thing I can say about UAB, man, those guys have made sure whether it's, you know, it's Darrell Hackney, Marcus Elliott, uh, you know, you name him, Sam Kendrick, you name him. Hey, man, you still football, you. They don't, I know you, you know, you went off, you, you, you went somewhere else, man, you still football, you. So, man, I'm still in the alumni groups on on Facebook, man. And I have a great relationship, uh, with those guys that, you know, that I played with there. And, uh, man, we go out, man, I, I went to the return and, Man, anytime I get an opportunity to support the Blazers, man, I, I do because if it wasn't for Tuffy Crow, uh, quick story, man. I remember uh, coming out of high school and I was, a, I was a, originally i was about to go to U N A, and uh, met Tuffy Crow and he was recruiting me and, uh, you know, he said that, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I think you can play. I said, you think I can play at the division one level? He said, well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm not, he, I'm not here because I think you'd be a good player for UNA, I'll tell you that. And uh, you know that was it. You know, I mean, you know, talking to him and talking to uh, John Cook and, and some of the other guys, uh, 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 Corn Dog Man from from Out of Homewood, man, talking about, hey, man, let's stay home and we can build this into something special. And we didn't do it, you know, we, we laid some bricks down, <laughs> but to see that exactly. special that we exactly. out, uh, to see that, now, man, that's a beautiful thing.
0: I love it. Well, BJ, we appreciate you. and I appreciate you so much just for taking time out of your day to come on the Blazer Victory podcast and talk some, you know, A&M football, HBCU football and your days at UAB. We greatly appreciate you. And guys, if you're listening and you're not following BJ on Twitter, definitely go ahead and give him a follow at ball. And also, as I mentioned earlier, give his uh, Sunday night uh, HBCU football uh, show a, a watch. You know, you can get to that on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, Black College Sports Network. But, BJ, thank you so much for coming on with us.
2: Appreciate you, right, man. I appreciate,
0: appreciate
2: you, man. All right, fellas. I appreciate, I appreciate y'all, man.
0: All right, guys. And don't forget that late Thursday night, probably Friday early in the morning, you're going to get our instant reaction episode to the UAB-Alabama A&M game. But, as always, go Blazers. And, Darren, you want to close us out, buddy? Y'all know Blazer Nation. Let's ride.